Welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. We've talked a lot on this show about the stages of relationship. I'm thinking in particular of the John Gottman and Terry Real episodes, how almost unavoidably the honeymoon ends and then the real relationship begins. Would you like to know some ways to get that spark back in a way that's sustainable? And do you know what you really want in your relationship? And I'm talking about how to get below the surface level to the desires that will actually satisfy something deep within you. In this episode, we're going to cover how to connect with your partner in a way that promotes passion. And we're also going to take the experience of attunement, like we talked about in our episode with Keith Witt, to an even deeper level that you can use in all of your interactions with other people. Today's guest is Shana James, a coach for the Authentic Man program and co-creator of the Authentic Woman Experience, and whose site, readytodateagain.com, helps men who are looking to have more satisfying relationships after experiencing divorce or painful breakups. I'm a huge fan of her work and her ability to help men find their presence, women find their radiance, and to help everyone to connect powerfully in the kinds of relationships that they're looking for. She's currently hosting a telesummit for men to help them have more conscious, healthy, and satisfying sex lives, which you can find out more about at sexualsatisfactionsummit.com. Finally, as a giveaway for this episode, I'm offering a free copy of Gary Chapman's The Five Love Languages, which we mentioned in our conversation, to a lucky listener. All you have to do is to download our detailed show guide at neilsatin.com slash Shana, and that's spelled S-H-A-N-A, or by texting the word PASSION to the number 33444. Shana James, thank you so much for being here with us on Relationship Alive. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me. It's always an honor to get to collaborate with you. Excellent. Well, we're going to have a fun 40-ish minutes to do that. <laughs> Perfect. So, um, so Shana, let's dive in and talk a little bit about um, the work that you do. And if you could talk a little bit about what you do with men, what you do with women, what you do overall, what's your mission in terms of how you work with people? Mm, I love that question, the mission. You know, I think ultimately, if I were to really pare it down, I think my mission is to help people love themselves. And I know that can feel kind of um, trite in a way or, you know, abstract. But ultimately, what I've been finding is that whether I'm working with men or working with women, um, the places where we either get into conflict or aren't getting what we want, like, you know, we have these desires inside, but we're not manifesting them on the outside, um, or where relationship becomes unsatisfying, all of those places, the root of that is, from what I'm seeing, is shame. And a lot of what tends to happen is people beating themselves up and thinking that there's something wrong with themselves and judging themselves. And then there's this breakdown, right? Because if you can't actually stay connected and compassionate for yourself and what you want, then it's really hard to communicate that to a potential partner or an already partner. 
And so, um, you know, ultimately it just seems like that's where I keep going back to in my work with people is what if everything you actually wanted or everything you felt you could have compassion for and curiosity about and, um, and from there, you know, start to create relationships and connections and sex and all of that with other people. Yeah. I love that. That seems like a beautiful picture to start with just simply learning how to accept yourself. Mm-hmm. Which I'm really finding is a choice. I mean, I think that's been one of my biggest struggles throughout my life is that inner critic or the, um, the committee, <laughs> the, the inner critic committee, you know, it shows up in many, many different ways in my own head. Um, and so I think some people think of accepting yourself as, okay, it's this thing I'm supposed to do once and for all. And once I accept myself, you know, done. And what I'm really seeing is that it's a moment to moment for some people or for others, hour to hour, you know, and for others, situation to situation choice of actually really, um, turning our compassionate curiosity back to ourselves instead of that voice of judgment. I think what you just said is really key because it would be potentially easy to just say, well, you know, I want what I want and that's it and and I'm done. And I like the blend of being compassionate with yourself and saying, yeah, okay, this is what I want, but also being curious which that seems like it would suggest maybe leading to transformation at times. Yeah, I think so, right? With that compassionate curiosity, there is, like you said, that acceptance. And then it's also getting to take a deeper look at, well, what is this thing that I'm wanting? Or what is this thing that I'm doing and creating? And what is it serving? And, you know, what is actually true for me? And what is true for my partner? And yeah, there's a whole universe in there to explore then. Can you offer an example of a time where it seemed like someone you were working with maybe wanted one thing, but then the more they thought about it, it was like, or got curious, it revealed that that wasn't actually what they wanted at all, that they wanted something mm, totally different. Yeah, I'm just, I'm scanning for what would be the best example. Um I mean, a lot. I'll, I'll, one thing I'll say is a lot of times what I see with men, in particular, though I don't want to make this you know a fully gendered thing, but a lot of times what I see is that men are looking for um, a kind, a specific kind of sensuality, or there's a specific fantasy, right? I've had men who've come to me with a specific fantasy that they want to live out. And when I bring my compassionate curiosity for it, you know, not saying this must be about something deeper, right? Because that's not necessarily true. It's really this open-ended inquiry. Um, sometimes what it's turned out to be is this deeper place of actually really wanting to have a connection or wanting to feel loved or cared for or, or um, connected to their, the, their partner or their woman no matter what, right? So um, sometimes there's this idea of, oh, you know, I want my woman to dress up and be sexier or wear more lingerie or something like that. 
And sometimes it really is just that, right? The fun and the play of it. And other times, like I've, I've had men tell me that. And then when we've really explored it more, it's gotten to this place of, oh, I want aliveness and I want vitality. And I want to feel like she's really into this and we're really excited about this together. And so sometimes it becomes more of this conversation for then the two of them to have. Well, you know, my first idea is that I really, I, I, I want you to wear sexy lingerie. But then the more I think about it, I really want this to be something that you're enjoying and I'm enjoying and we're enjoying together. So can we do some brainstorming? You know, what, what would that be for you? Because there are times where we have similar sexual desires and there are times where they're different. Right. And, and I'm just imagining in this situation that you go from this place of realizing, well, wanting, let's say the lingerie, lingerie, but then realizing, wait a minute, like if my significant other was standing there in front of me with lingerie on, that wouldn't, that in and of itself might not make the difference that I'm looking for. Right. Especially if she's awkward or uncomfortable or kind of just doing it just, you know, for me. Right. Then it's not, you're not going to have that connection and passion and vitality, which is underneath most of, you know, the, the, the things or the doing that we fantasize about. Right. Yeah. When we, we, it's easy to ride that wave when a relationship first starts that it it comes with like built in vitality, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you get to that place that we've talked about a lot here on the podcast of like where the, the, the truth of your partner reveals itself. Yeah. And, and then you are much more in choice about how you're going to nurture that spark and Mm -hmm. passion. Yeah. And I really find, and again, this is not to downplay the fun and the sexiness and hotness. I mean, that is something I love and I love working with both men and women around their sexual vitality. Um, but what I tend to find interesting also is that the the intimacy of being able to share our desires and share our fears and share those really vulnerable places with each other is what tends to keep spark alive. Mm. You know, and and what tends to break the spark down or dull it is when one or both people don't really feel heard or understood, you know, and especially I don't know, again, I don't want to make this gendered because I think this is a human thing, but there is a way that I've seen with some of the men I've worked with where they're not feeling sexually satisfied. And when I ask them, you know, well, what do you think is going on in your woman's heart? I mean, this is heterosexual, but I think it can work again for any couple combination. What do you think is going on in this other person's heart, right? Um, What do you think they're actually wanting? What do you think they're scared of? And oftentimes the answer is, I don't know. And it amazes me. I'm like, wow, you haven't actually had that conversation. So instead there's a butting heads or a kind of pulling back of those two people. I'm not getting what I want. I'm not going to bring what he or she wants. Or I'm not even curious anymore because I'm just frustrated, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's easier in a way to feel frustrated than it is to feel devastated, Right, mm. It's easier to feel, I think it's easier, and this is what I've seen with working with people, it's easier to feel that on the surface kind of anger or a little bit of righteousness even 
than it is to feel that tender, vulnerable place that's like, wow, I had this dream in my life that I would be met in this way in my heart or this way in my sexuality and it's not happening and I don't know what to do about it. And, you know, I'm feeling kind of heartbroken about that. Yeah. And do you have a suggestion for how to bring that to a conversation with your partner in a way that makes them hopefully want to hear you and respond to it? Yeah, where I go to first is to um, to be generous, and and by that what I mean is starting to get really curious about your partner, and you know instead of first bringing either frustration or God, there's this you know it it can work with desire, right? There's this thing I've been wanting forever, and I'd really love to try it. Can work, um, but when there's a backlog of disconnection, what I see works versus this this generous and again, compassionate curiosity. Like, honey, I realize that I haven't actually been interested or curious about what would light you up. You know, we're talking a lot about sex, but it could be anything, right? In our domestic relationship or in mm-hmm. our in our parenting relationship um, or in our sexual relationship. Like what would really be something or what's something you've been craving or feeling like you actually let go of that you were wanting um and really you know ultimately you didn't want to give that up but now you're starting to feel like it's not happening or it's not possible and getting curious to the point where the other person gets to feel heard and seen and loved and understood and then often as a result of that what happens is the other person feeling good about that, you know, starts to engage the other way as well. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Do you do you have a sense of, I mean, it sounds like generosity is actually really the key to getting what you want in some respects. Um, how do you how do you cultivate a, a spirit of generosity if you're in a relationship and and you are stuck in that feeling of like, why am I, why does it have to be me? Like, it's always me. I have to be generous again, you know? Mm-hmm. God, I just, I feel that. And I, um, it pains my heart even just to think about that. And, and I actually, I think I, in my marriage, there was some of that for a while where I thought, God, I feel like I'm the one doing the work or I'm the one trying to be generous or I'm the one trying to change my paradigm because he doesn't like that paradigm. And, you know, and then what I realized Mm. is that he felt that way too. And so uh, when you can take a step back and realize, okay, usually if, usually if you're feeling like you're giving more or you're, not getting what you want, so is the other person. And so, you know, I think it's this willingness to actually be, I don't want to say the bigger one or the, you know, or the better one, but really just looking at uh, an attitude of generosity I've really seen with myself and my clients ends up getting us more of what we want no matter what. And so, 
if you limit yourself and you stay stuck in, well, okay, I'm the one who's always doing this and so I don't want to be the one to do it again, <laughs> then that's it. Game over. You know, I'm thinking of a video game. It's like game over. There's nowhere to go from there. But if you actually open and try again and, you know, for, for couples I've worked with who are struggling, I have this way of looking at it where I'm like, okay, if you open your heart and you come undefended and loving and generous and curious to your partner and ultimately you really still can't work it out, at least you know you've tried your best and you've given it your all. And there's nothing, you know, likely there's nothing else you could have done. But if you're coming from that place where your heart is closed, you're defending, you're, you're, you're frustrated, you're complaining, then you really haven't done all so, you can do to see if that relationship Just to finish out this thought, how would you know, let's say you're like, I'm always giving or oh, here I go again or whatever. Um, how would you know if you were with someone who is just like perpetually in victim mode? So they're just going to take, 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 or maybe sort of veering off toward narcissism again, where they'll just take, take, take. So what's a good way of being boundaried for yourself where you're like, okay, this is, this is a reasonable amount of generosity. And this is me, um, you know, losing myself in this relationship or not, not being met. I know that's such a great question. And I don't know if I can make it so black and white as, you know, after three months, if you do this, or after 10 requests, if you do that. Um, I mean, and that's where I think it's really helpful to have help, you know, a coach or a therapist or someone who's actually observing your own process to be able to say, hey, it seems like you've tried this, you know, this is the 15th time, and you're not getting anywhere. But, but, okay, the other thing I feel called to say is that often what happens, and I saw this in myself, too, is that I could be generous up to a point and then I would just flip if my if my ex didn't eventually come around in his own loving way, you know, then after my fourth or fifth request, then I would just shut down mm -hmm. and get defensive again and explode or something would happen. And so ultimately I think I, I think my personal goal, you know, is to continue to be vulnerable to the point where even you might say, wow, this hurts me to say, and I feel kind of devastated by this, but I'm wondering if it's over. I'm wondering if we're not going to be able to make this work, you know, versus getting to that point where you think, okay, I've been generous enough, and now, I, now I'm clear that I've been generous enough, and so now I'm just going to yeah. lay down the law and say, fuck it, right? Um, and so I think if you can actually stay in that vulnerability, which is really challenging for most of us to do. I have seen that um, more reveals itself, you know, and I don't mean to be cryptic about it, but it's like, oh, um, in my own marriage, you know, we were attempting to be more vulnerable and more vulnerable and more vulnerable. And ultimately, at, at one point, my body said to me, I think that's it. I think it's over. I think we've tried all we can do, you know? Um, so I don't know. I wish I had a black and white answer. Yeah, for that I think one, one thing that occurs to me in hearing your response yeah, is for one thing, having a way to check in with yourself or with someone who's helping you is great. Um, mm -hmm. And 
And yep. I like also that that idea of being willing to engage in the conversation around like, well, maybe this isn't working, but but choosing to do it not from a place of, mm-hmm. you know, you described like the the fourth or fifth time where your where your requests haven't been honored and then you're furious. Like that's probably not the best time to have that conversation. Right. Good. I, I guess we can agree on that. Um, Definitely not. <laughs> so, but it's it's being able to sit down and and have that, that conversation yeah. from a place of um, of vulnerability and and maybe even being like, well, I don't want to be apart, and yet I'm wondering how we can be together. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I'm realizing too, as you're saying that, is that. I think one of the most powerful perspectives that I've taken on in my life that I really support my clients with, whether they're Mm. dating or in relationship, is assuming the best of other people. And from the lens of assuming the best, um, you know, people aren't trying to hurt us or trying to make us feel miserable. It's like they're actually suffering also and they're doing the best they can. You know, and so when we come to our partners from that place of assuming the best, we're much more kind hearted and often much more gentle. Um, And I'm not saying there can't be a range of expressing our emotions, but, you know, just like you said, anytime you're trying to have a conversation from a place of I'm furious and it's a large conversation that's going to impact the state of the relationship as a whole. (laughs) I mean, I've never seen that go well, to tell you the truth. (laughs) So I'm not, I don't like to tell people never never do do that because everybody's different (laughs) and unique, but I've never. Yeah. And that makes sense in the context (laughs) of the podcast too, because we've had many people come on and just say like, those are times when most of what you're feeling is probably an echo of something in the past anyway. It's not really about that moment with your partner. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And if you can look at your partner in a moment where your partner is furious or your partner's defensive and instead of buying into that dynamic and, and furthering that dynamic, if you can say something like, wow, it looks like you're really hurting right now, you know, or wow, this is huge for you, isn't it? You know, then it's almost like I always have this vision and I don't know why, if this will make sense to you, but it's like there's this windmill going around and going around and going around. That's kind of the cycle Mm. of, you know, the dynamic that isn't working. And somehow I've always (laughs) imagined sticking a fork in it, you know, wherever you can stick a fork in in the windmill to stop it is this place where you can actually um, stop the cycle. And same with our own inner critic. You know, there are moments where I have to say or I have to support my clients to say, um, can you have compassion for the part of you even that is beating yourself up right now? Instead of making yourself wrong for making yourself wrong, could you have compassion and say, wow, I'm really beating myself up right now. I wonder why I'm doing that or I wonder what's causing that, you know, is kind of another stick the fork in it moment or looking at your partner and instead of engaging in that defensive dynamic, actually saying, oh my gosh, it seems like you're really hurting over there. You know, both of those are mm. ways to, to yeah, disengage where you're not caught in that from cycle that dynamic. Of just stepping up the anger and the, yeah. 
also it's so hard because when you it's easy mm-hmm. in those situations to feel the disconnection and then to just go into a pattern that's all about trying to reconnect whether it's reconnecting through anger or just getting really sad so that you can reconnect right. it's all about actually reconnecting so i like the way that your that your observation um, and I, I imagine there are ways to even bring a question to that. Well, yeah, I can, wow. It seems like you're really hurting right now. What, you know, what, what's going on for you? Um, right. Which goes back to that generosity because we might really be wanting our partner in that moment to say, oh, it looks like you're really hurting or to, you know, to feel understood ourselves. Um, and yet what I see again and again is when you can actually offer what you're most wanting. I mean, you could also debate that and say, okay, people have different love languages. And so maybe you want to offer what your partner's most wanting, but often there's a thing that we're wanting and it's around some kind of way of being heard or loved or understood. And if we can actually offer that first, Mm -hmm. it tends to really shift the dynamic. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's always the potential to say, yeah, I'm hurting too. You know, so you don't have to take yourself completely off the table. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You can't take yourself completely off the table. I think that's a really great point. You know, um, you can't take yourself completely off the table, but you could. And I had a, a spiritual teacher once who said, you know, if you really listen fully to your partner before you actually say a thing, And that might be for one minute or five minutes or 10 minutes, you know, it might be this long monologue. Um, You're actually going to be heard way more than if you try to interject or you try to even insert yourself. So it's not necessarily taking yourself out or pretending you don't feel a certain way. But I mean, I know for myself, (laughs) and she said this too, that it can almost feel like you're going to die. (laughs) Like if I just keep letting this person talk because then all of our identities – that come up of who we think we should be and who we want to be seen as, you know, they can be just being cut and chopped down and blamed and whatever. Um, But really, again, I think I just keep going back to that place of, okay, to be generous. And in that case, there's this generous listening that can turn things around. Yeah. If you can figure out a way to really receive someone and, keep a container for it so that you don't let it go to your own like uh ego death like if i don't respond then i'm you know i'm saying no to everything i stand for like if you can just receive them then i could see that being really really powerful um (laughs) and maybe what's so bad about an ego death (laughs) right I mean, because there are places that our egos hijack our actual essence or our innate openness. So sometimes I find, you know, one of the dynamics in my my marriage years ago was I had this identity of I'm a caretaker. I take care of people. And there was a way that sometimes when he would say, um, you don't care about me or clearly you don't care about me with the way that you're acting right now. And then I, my ego would just fly off the handle and be like, how can you see it? I'm not, you know, how can you say that? I'm here with you and I'm listening to you and all this stuff. And it's like in that moment, really humbly, Mm. what I needed was to let that part of my ego die a little bit. I think. 
you know, and to not identify with it as much because then I was defending it instead of actually listening to him. That's great. I, I think it can be really helpful for someone to be able to say to themselves, oh, that's the part of me that yeah. isn't willing to listen right now. Or that's the part of me that needs to be right. Mm -hmm. Or or that's the part of me that's really hurting right now. Yeah. Um yeah. and okay, there it is. And like and then hopefully that is a great way of seeing like, oh, and but I'm coming from this place that's not that part of me. I'm actually yeah. able to to hold a bigger container for that. Right, right. There's more of me than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to take a moment to talk a little bit about your work with Authentic Worlds. And mm -hmm. I alluded to this in the introduction that I actually found out about you and ultimately met you and we became friends, friends through your work with the Authentic Man program and then a project of yours, the Authentic Woman Experience. Mm -hmm. And could you talk a little bit about what, what does that mean? in terms of how do how does that work help people have conscious growth oriented relationships that are coming from an authentic place what is that authenticity all about ooh okay big questions <laughs> <laughs> um well one of the most basic ways i describe authenticity is that what's on the inside matches what's on the outside right and so whether it's fear or sadness or turn on or whatever it is that's happening inside mm -hmm. that you can actually show that and that is actually a doorway to connection mm. instead of thinking okay you know men want this women want this if i'm going to actually be wanted i have to shut down these parts of myself pretend this isn't there downplay this overplay this and then I will create this beautiful bond, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's maddening in a way, and nobody ends up being satisfied very long. Um, right, that's often is, enough to bring people together, but not to keep them together. Right, and it and it, I just have found it through watching thousands of people working with thousands of people. I've, I've, I see them exhausted. I see them not getting to be loved for who they actually are. You know, there's something about putting out our idiosyncrasies or um, the ways that we love that are different from other people that actually attracts that right match, you know, or that right person. Um, and so when we try to be someone else or use someone else's lines or use follow someone else's rules, I'm so, I mean, I guess if I did have one rule, it would be, you know, F the rules or like find, <laughs> find out what actually works for you and where you actually feel alive and your heart feels alive and you feel lit up and you feel able to connect, you know. Um, the one place that get, this gets tricky is I've seen people say, well, I'm being authentic and I told him how I felt or I told her how I felt and it didn't go over very well. And, you know, my curiosity is like, okay, well, where where are you coming from in that authenticity? So if your authenticity is, um, you know, men are pigs or women are high maintenance and a whole shit ton of work, right? Like, 
are you actually coming from your past experiences and the past wounds and places you're still carrying baggage and resentment? Or are you coming from, have you worked through that to a place where you can actually see each person as a unique being beyond men are, women are, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't get through your resentments and your baggage and your history, then you carry that overlay. And so every person you meet, you see, fits into that structure. And then that other person can't win. Mm. You know, that other person can't be who he or she really is. So that other piece of authenticity that I've worked with in the Authentic Man program in the and in the Authentic Woman experience is, um, you know, what is your own internal landscape? And if you're showing what's on the inside, on the outside, to really also get curious and to start inquiring about, okay, where is my inside coming from? Yeah. Yeah, that makes me think about something we were chatting about before we got, uh, before we started recording, which was how we can put all of this energy into becoming present and being in the present moment um, or developing presence and and how compelling that is. Mm-hmm. But what comes next? Because it, if, you, if you're not talking about what comes next and how to develop that integrity and, and how you're actually connecting when you're present. When you're present. Then it goes awry. Right. And, and God, I mean, there's so many different kinds of presence too, right? I mean, there's a very um, spiritual, I'm in this moment presence that cannot involve the body at all. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, there can be a very embodied presence of, I am totally connected to my sexuality and my sensuality and I know what I want right now and I'm feeling my body and I'm present with that and I'm not present with my heart or I'm not present with the other person. Right. Right. And so even to just before we even go to what's next, it's like, all right, the fullness of presence in in the work that I do with people includes my sensual, my sensual sexual self, like my genital self, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or your genital self. It also includes your heart. It also includes your mind. It also includes your spirit. And that there are actually ways to work with each of those realms to open them so that you can connect with another person and, of course, be connected with yourself in all of those realms and all of those dimensions. And really what I found is that the more those dimensions are open and the more those dimensions are cultivated – the more you get to connect with another person and then create a bond from that place. So how could someone dance among those levels while they're, if you're out, let's say you're out on a date and you're meeting mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. or you're with your partner that you've been with for five years yeah. or 50 years. Um, what are some ways that you could really feel the fullness of that experience on those different levels? Mm. It's a beautiful, beautiful question. Uh, you know, I, I, I love conversation and I know some people can think, oh, well, it's not sexy to have conversation or it can get too processy, which is the, it's, it can be true. Um, but conversation, intentional conversation, I think is a really beautiful place to start. And so 
there could be a conversation about, you know, what are you feeling in your heart right now or what does your heart want right now? Um, and sometimes conversation can involve words and sometimes conversation can involve touch or silence or eye gazing or, you know what I mean? So I don't want to limit it that it just has to be words. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I imagine first tuning into, okay, we, we have this dynamic here and it might be new and it might be something we've been doing for 20 years. Um, and each person or whoever's listening to this, right, starting to notice, well, which which places do I feel really alive and which places do I think my partner feels really alive and which places is our dynamic really alive um, and which places don't feel as alive, right? Again, not a judgment of this is good and this is bad, but that vitality lens of, you know, which places feel really alive or turned on and not just sexually turned on, but energetically, you know, aliveness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think then getting curious and it could be making it a game of, oh, when I look at my partner right now, he or she seems like happy and intellectually stimulated, but I don't feel, um, his or her body open. And so, huh, you know, what would open that body over there? And it could be taking a guess and saying, you know what, honey, I'd love to massage your feet for a couple minutes. Or it could be just being really curious and saying, hey, I'm having this imagining that you're actually happy right now, but what could make you even happier would be to feel some pleasure in your body. And I have ideas for how I might do that, but I also want to check in and see if there's something that you would really love or you would really desire. Does that make sense? Yeah, getting back to the generosity again, too. Exactly. I was just thinking that, oh, okay, being willing to put your attention on the other person and and then being willing to also ask if you want something, um, which I know can be really scary and edgy and challenging sometimes for some people who have a certain dynamic, right, of, oh, my God, can I really ask for that? But starting to practice, oh, what I'm noticing right now is that I feel um, really in my body, but my heart doesn't feel open. And you know what, sweetie, what would feel really amazing to me right now is if you could put your hand on my heart or if you could speak some words of affirmation or appreciation of like what you really love about me, I think that would help my heart relax. Um, You can do it in dating too. You know, again, for some people, the risk gets bigger when you actually know the person for a longer time because, oh my God, you know, what if this breaks apart our relationship? And for some person, it feels, some people, it feels riskier right in the beginning because what if this person isn't going to want to be with me after I say this or thinks I'm weird, Mm. you know? But really, again, I think if we go back to that self-love and self-acceptance piece, if we bring something and to us it's not weird, if we can get to a place of, oh, I really accept this part of myself and this is what I want, then it doesn't come out as this bizarre thing. And then if someone else thinks we're weird, we can actually roll with that and say, oh, well, you think I'm weird and this is actually really important to me. So maybe, you know, if it's a new person, maybe we're not a fit. And if it's a person we're in relationship with for a long time, it might be like, okay, honey, I can see that this is weird to you and it's important to me. And would you be willing to to honor that? Yeah, important and scary conversations to have, but so necessary, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right, because if you're just out on a date, wouldn't you want to know that now mm-hmm. versus 10 years from now? And if you're with, let's say you're in a committed partnership, 
wouldn't you want to uh, start living more authentically now mm-hmm. versus going another five or 10 years and still feeling like you have to hide that part of yourself? God, yeah, that is so, so painful for so many people I've seen to be hidden, especially with that person who's supposed to, you know, in our in our vision, in our fantasy, love us the most and know us the most and understand us the most. Mm. That, yeah, that is really potentially painful for people. So Shana, I'm wondering if you could take a moment and just dive into what you just said a little bit more about how someone would, how would they tune in to the different levels of how they're experiencing the person they're with, whether it's on a date or their partner, or how would they do that within themselves in a way that was curious and experimentational? It's such a great question because I realize how second nature it actually is to me at this point, right? So um, I can put attention on a different part of my body and feel the sensations or feel what's happening there. And I, I tend to have a baseline of what I feel. And then if another person or when another person comes into my physical space or emotional space, I notice what changes, you know. And so for, you know, if you're listening and you haven't really done this a lot, I mean, the first step is to start to have your own body awareness. And Vipassana meditation is a really powerful way to do that. Uh, there's a practice called focusing that's a really powerful way to do that. You know, there are a couple different ways where you can actually just start to pay attention to your body and notice what you feel like. And then as situations happen or you feel emotional about something or something changes, you can actually notice, oh, I felt that in my stomach. You know, my stomach just clenched or my chest just relaxed or my head feels really tight. I mean, all of these physical sensations are so not only useful, but it takes the guesswork out, right? So if I am in the middle of a conversation with someone, and this can be what we were just talking about, you know, if I'm I'm interacting with someone and I'm on a first date and he says something and I notice, oh God, I feel like I just got punched in the stomach. I don't have to know why in that moment. I can just say that or I can say something like, Ooh, you know, right when you said that, I noticed my stomach clenched. And then he'll probably say, why? Right. Or even if he doesn't, I might just take a minute and notice, huh, what exactly just happened? Hmm. So, you know, you can start to tune in more to your body. And then as you expand to be able to tune into your own body, you can start to actually tune into other people's bodies and notice. And some of this, uh, the more I read about this, the more I realize. Um, we are, we're paying, if, if we pay attention, there are cues, right? The way people's facial expressions change and tone of voice change and, um, posture changes and all of that, these things that sometimes we're not paying attention to, but when we do, we start to have a lot of information about someone's emotional state or physical state or, you know, even spiritual state. So, there's a lot in this, and I think we could do a whole separate interview on this, but I would say to start, my suggestion would be, you know, take on some kind of body meditation. We actually start to pay attention to the the sensations in your own body 
and then start to play with it. And that's one of the things I, I love, whether it's a date or someone you've been with for a really long time, is that you can say something like, hey, I'm trying this new thing. You know, do you want to play with me? Or could we spend five minutes and try out this new thing I've been playing with? Um, that it doesn't have to be a very serious thing. And it's not about, you know, getting it right. It's about like, what happens when we do this? You know, does it create more connection? Does it create less connection? How could it create more connection? Yeah. And if you approach it with that question in your mind, then those are the kinds of answers that you'll tune into. Right. Which is a very powerful point, you know, is the questions you ask have a very profound impact on the answers you get and the experiences you have, right? So yeah. when you start to phrase it as, um, wow, you know, what could this make possible for us? Or what will this open up for us? As opposed to, I don't know about this thing, is this really going to work or not work? You know, you get really different answers and experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And along those lines, I know you do a lot of work with men in particular around the question of, what they want and how to spark desire in women and or in prospective partners, even who aren't women. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm wondering how you focus their attention and their energy to create that kind of connection with people so that someone who say, like, isn't experiencing a lot of spark or sexual energy in their current relationship or is wondering, like, Oh, how do I like? How do I bridge that gap in a way that's authentic mm -hmm. um, in a in a dating situation? You know, because I don't want to be like the dude with the moves or whatever. I just right. want to like be able to own my sexual energy and and connect yeah. with someone that way. So, how do you how do you help people engage that? Yeah, I love that question. Two things come to mind. One is what I see with a lot of men is this shutting down their sexual energy and their sexual desire to try to make women feel okay or to try to make women feel safe. And mm. the distinction that I make with my clients is you can feel every ounce of sexual energy and pleasure and tingling and whatever's running through your veins. I mean, that is your vital life energy. What you do with it is what ultimately makes a woman comfortable or uncomfortable. I mean, also, we could get into the fact that you can't necessarily, um, you might do nothing and she might be uncomfortable, right? So it's not necessarily your fault and turn on is not always a comfortable thing. So, you know, I actually really support men to not try to make women comfortable. But back to our our original topic, um, you know, you can actually open to feeling more and more and more of that energy and expand to hold it instead of trying to shut it down. And then one of the really simple things you can do is, again, whether you're on a date or you've been with a partner for a really long time, you know, if you tend to be more intellectual, more heady, more of those kinds of conversations, if you take a couple minutes and you breathe and you can even imagine your breath coming into your body and filling up your legs and coming into your body and filling up your groin and coming into your body and filling up your belly. The more you're actually aware of and feeling the sensations and breathing into those parts of your body, the more whoever is around you, 
is actually likely to feel his or her body as well. And it's kind of like a tuning fork. And I, I have this experience regularly where, you know, someone walks in the room, I'm feeling a little bit, you know, just, I don't know, I'm just, it's, it's my base state, right? Someone walks in the room and all of a sudden my body lights up or someone walks in the room and all of a sudden my body gets heavy. You know, it, it sounds magical, but when you actually start to pay attention, you start to notice that we do have these connections with people that are beyond the physical realm. Mm -hmm. And so as you start to practice, um, the beautiful part of it is I think as you start to practice actually getting in touch with your own pleasure and your own body and your own sensations, people around you naturally start to feel their bodies more. Yeah. Yeah, and something I along those lines that I like to offer clients is the, you know, getting in touch with that feeling and holding it in that container and reminding them that they don't have to do anything with it. Yes, 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 yes. And that way they can just be in more in tune with what being in that energy, what that creates in the moment, whether it creates opportunities or whether it creates conversation or it's sparking that energy in your partner. Um, and then you end up traveling you know, the path of least resistance, you know, rather than like feeling it and feeling it and then being like having an agenda where like, well, now that I'm all turned on, like we gotta, it's time, let's, let's go have sex somewhere or, you know, whatever, where that, where that becomes like the agenda associated mm -hmm. with feeling your pleasure. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. I mean, I'm really, as I've been creating um, the men's sexual satisfaction summit that's coming up soon and I'm having these incredible conversations with people and experts on different facets of sexuality and some of them around being multi-orgasmic and some of them around asking for what you want and some of them around the man box, you know, this way that men can feel stuck in a box of who they're supposed to be that really keeps them from pleasure. And, you know, ultimately one of the biggest pieces is men actually feeling okay about having this amount of sexual energy, you know, or this amount of pleasure and sensation in their body and not making themselves wrong for it. Because once you actually are right with it and allowing for it to flow through you, and like you said, there's nothing you have to do with it, um, you know, there's, there's, the world starts to wake up around you is what I would say. Mm. Yeah. So how would someone find out about, that sounds like a really interesting telesummit that you've got going on. Yeah. Um, how do they find out about that? You can go to sexualsatisfactionsummit.com. And this is particularly for men, though I think women can learn a lot from it too. But, you know, definitely if you're in a partnership, I would say, um, inspire your men to sign up or put it in front of them. I think once they see the topics, they'll be pretty excited about it themselves. Um, yeah. And then, you know, this can be one of those things where it's actually the start of powerful conversations. I, I actually had a really powerful conversation with someone after an interview that I did recently for the summit and it opened up a whole new um, realm 
of play and exploration in one of my sexual connections. So this can be one of those really powerful ways to not have to start the conversation on your own, but say, hey, you know, look at this topic and then let's listen to it and let's talk about it. Yeah. And I want to just mention too, to everyone listening that my partner, Chloe and I, we are also someone that you interviewed for yes. your telesummit where we're going to be a bonus, right? For your, for the telesummit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's all on the topic of, um, how to deepen your intimacy, particularly if you've been affected by some form of sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is so important. So many people either know they've been affected by trauma or, you know, so many struggles that people go through. They're not necessarily even aware that there's trauma involved. So I'm so grateful for you for covering that topic. Yeah. So happy to participate. So if you're interested, it's sexualsatisfactionsummit.com. Yep. And then you do some work that's more oriented toward women as well, right? Where How would people connect with you around that? Yes. Yeah. So if you're a woman, you can go to authenticwomanexperience.com and it's woman with an A, authenticwomanexperience.com. And there are some powerful blogs and resources there that you can start with. And, you know, always feel free. You can email me through that site as well. Great. And is there any other site of yours that people should know about while we're on the topic? Yeah, another site for men. My main site for men is readytodateagain.com. And that one's with a two in the middle, the number two. So readytodateagain.com. And what's the again? Again, right. So that really, that site and the work I've been doing lately is often focused on men who have already been married or already been in a long-term relationship and are starting over and have some questions. You know, how do I want to do it this time? And how do I not repeat the same mistakes or patterns that I that I got into last time? And how do I actually make this a thriving and really satisfying relationship this time around? Such important work. And I'm going to let everyone know that that was also part of how you and I connected as well. We were I think we were both pretty much going through our divorces at about the same time. At the same time, yep. Yep. And here we are now, Mm -hmm. living to tell the tale. I love it. And doing pretty well, I think. Yeah, I think we're both actually doing really well in ways that I've seen situations, I would say, that I've seen so many people struggle with. And, you know, as we've had our conversations, it's not like we haven't had any struggles, but I think you and I are doing this really consciously and coming through it with a lot of grace and joy and pleasure and growth. So I feel really grateful for that. Me too. And I'm so grateful for your coming on the show today to share some of that wisdom and growth with everyone who's listening. So thank mm-hmm. you so much, Shana, for, for coming on the show. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive Community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. 
Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.